Today's scripture lesson comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. I encourage you, if you brought your own Bible, to take it out and read along with me. If you didn't bring one, you can find this passage on page 718, 718 in the Pew Bibles, or you can get out your handy-dandy Bible app and look it up there as well. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out, and I say, what shall I cry? All people are like grass and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, Lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid, says to the towns of Judah. Here is your God. See the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Just as the prophet Isaiah spoke of the Lord's power to renew the strength of the weary, so too are we called to trust in his unfailing support. We are encouraged to lift our eyes to the heavens from where our help comes and to find solace in the knowledge that our creator holds us in his loving embrace. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Good morning, Faith Westwood. Good morning. Today we celebrate this amazing and beautiful music of the season and for all who are worshiping on site as well as for those who are worshiping online. So if this is the first time that you've been to Faith Westwood, or first time in a long time, welcome. We are so glad that you are here. We are in a sermon series called Rejoice, and we continue preparing for the birth of Jesus from the perspective of the prophet Isaiah. Now, on the first Sunday of Advent, I invited you to consider how this season of Advent allows you to focus on the kingdom of God, to be filled with expectation and anticipation and longing. Last Sunday, we celebrated the Christmas pageant with sheep stuff, and we celebrated how the birth of Christ was part of all creation. Now, today, we just heard from the prophet Isaiah relaying words from the Lord, comfort, comfort my people, as they were hearing the voice crying out for a way for them to be 
made in the desert. We too are called to make a path for joy to be experienced. So I invite us to rejoice along the way. Again, you may want to follow along in the Pew Bible. That number is listed on the screen. Would you join me in prayer? Almighty God, open our ears that we may hear your word. Open our eyes that we may see your glory in our midst. And open our hearts that we might know your spirit's presence with us in these moments. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Now, tis the season for tidings of comfort and joy. In fact, that is the alternative title for the song that bears the chorus with these words. Now, an early version of God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen was found in a manuscript dating back to the 1650s. Now, interesting trivia about the song reminds us that we often mispunctuate it. We believe that it is God Rest Ye, comma, Merry Gentlemen, Yet it is meant to be, God rest ye merry, comma, gentlemen. God rest ye merry is a phrase like, God grants you peace and happiness. A phrase that has been used since the 1500s and appears in Shakespeare's play, As You Like It. And I understand it's also in Romeo and Juliet. Now, um, it was wonderful to hear this song this morning, that interpretation of it by our worship band, so thank you. Now, while we may want to experience tidings of comfort and joy in this season, we realize that it may be really challenging to find those spaces and places of comfort, let alone any joy. We hear bad news, and it rocks us to our core. We face the hustle and bustle of seasonal activities. I don't know about you, but maybe, maybe I'm the only one. Yet comfort and joy sometimes feels more like a myth than a reality as Christmas comes closer. So as we hear these ancient words of Isaiah this weekend, I invite you to claim that poetic spirit in which the prophet offers us a glimpse of comfort and joy for God's people, as well as for us to prepare the way. Now we need to remember that Isaiah, in its entirety, offers God's people criticism and warning as well as words of comfort and encouragement. The prophet Isaiah spoke to God's people at a critical time in their journey. They turned away from God, and they ended up in exile. Chapter 40 then begins a section of chapters that's known as the Book of Consolation. It's thought to be penned by a prophet known as Second Isaiah. Now the people are in exile in Babylon, and after 40 years of bondage, they, they soon will be released. They are tired and weary, and they are worn out. They needed some comfort, and they needed some encouragement. So the prophet gives them a message of hope and trust in God for a return to their homeland. The first two verses of chapter 40 present a desire for God's people to be comforted. Israel's time of punishment is coming to an end. The people will soon be free from Babylon. Of course, this does not change the fact that they have lost everything, including structures and institutions. Everything that gave them a, a sense of identity and then gave them a sense of community. The prophet is so sure of the end of exile that he speaks of this event as if it has already happened. Their suffering is about to end and the people will experience God's comfort. The next verses, verses 3 through 5, command that it is time 
for a voice of one calling, prepare the way for the Lord. It was time for paths to be made straight, valleys to be raised up, mountain and hills to be made low, and the rough and the rugged to be made level. It was time for the the glory of the Lord to be revealed and for all people to see it together. These words of preparing the way for the Lord were quoted and claimed by John the Baptist as he was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Images of John the Baptist in the desert region may fill our minds. Remember, he was the one that was eating locusts and honey. Yum. He was wearing clothes made of camel's hair. I don't know about you, but sometimes those seem like such strange details to us. But his message was one that God's people had been waiting for so long after Isaiah's visions and words. John the Baptist was the one to prepare the way for the Lord, the Messiah, reminding that people that one more powerful than he was coming. He was baptizing with water, but the one who was coming would baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now imagine when God's people were in exile, and they heard these words. Not only was the way being prepared for them to return home, they would turn their longing hearts and souls toward the coming of the Messiah. Verses 6 and 8 share the prophet's heart. A voice invites the prophet to cry out, and the prophet says, What shall I cry? The response is a, a vivid reminder that people are like grass. Like grass. Fleeting, withering, and fading. Unless you're in Nebraska in December when it's been unseasonably warm. (laughs) But God's people knew too well that, that life was very fragile. Human life is temporary. But the great hope is knowing that the word of our God endures forever. Amen? So the word reflects those promises, those hopes and dreams that that God had shared with the people in the past and in the present and that God will share with the people in the future. And then our passage concludes with those verses in 9 through 11. The herald, the one proclaiming the good news, is invited to go to a high mountain to share a message of deliverance and to remind the people, do not be afraid. Those are the words for Advent, aren't they? Do not be afraid. And yet God's people could say, how can we not be afraid? Isaiah answers this. Because a sovereign God comes with power and has a strong and mighty arm. And alongside this this powerful, strong and mighty image comes one of tenderness and gentleness. As Isaiah says that God tends the flock like a shepherd, gathering those lambs in his arms. And then what does he do? He carries them close to his heart. Now, I know that neither the words joy nor rejoice are found in our focus passage, but that is indeed the promise, and that is indeed the outcome for God's people, coming out of exile and coming through whatever challenges are before us. These words of the prophet certainly challenge the hearers in many ways to have a faith beyond their circumstances. Exiled and worn out and weary, the people long to have those comforts of their home again, 
Remember, their home was a land that was flowing with milk and honey. Their ancestors had entered into it for the very first time so many years ago. Yet maybe in this season of Advent, you have a need to have faith beyond your own circumstances. The message that we can receive today is that the God of our faith ancestors is the same God whose word is true. The promises that God claimed, that God's people claimed centuries ago are the same promises that we claim. No matter what kind of exile that we are experiencing, our God has called us by name. Our God will redeem our lives. And our God will bring us back to that place where we feel truly at home. Those words of the prophet also challenged the hearers to live into the expectations that the way was being prepared for them. Our faith ancestors lived into those expectations at a tremendous turning point in their lives. We live into the expectations that the way is being prepared for us too. It was prepared many years ago by John the Baptist for the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, maybe it doesn't feel like the path that you are on is easy or straight or smooth. But remember that the path is being prepared for Jesus Christ to give you the way and the truth and the life beyond your expectations. So what is it that brings you tidings of comfort and joy in this season? Is it the carols? Is it the warmth of the candles, the twinkling of lights? Is it watching the snowfall we wish? <laughs> or is it curling up with a warm blanket? This blanket, like many and most in my home, has a story. When Clint and I were newlyweds in, in Wichita, Kansas, one of my youth parents was working on this quilt. And the woman who was making it was so worried about the imperfections. In fact, she was even thinking she was going to buy it herself on the church auction because she was so worried about, about it falling apart. <laughs> but when I saw it, I only saw beauty and I saw warmth. She made it out of flannel. Now, Clint and I were newly married. We were on a very fixed budget. And so Clint and I talked about it, and we realized exactly what I could bid on it. <laughs> and sure enough, the person sitting right next to me outbid me. Clint could see the disappointment on my face, and then she noticed it too. And then she offered to sell me this quilt for the same price that she paid for it. Through our many homes, it has found itself in bedrooms and in family rooms. When winter comes, I have to say out of flannel, it's one of my go-to blankets to surround myself with warmth and comfort. And of course, the telling of this story always brings me great joy. You know, God's people receive the prophet's words as a blessing of comfort and joy. So if you are looking for some comfort and joy in this season, know that God is still acting in our day, moving to prepare our hearts for the little baby in the manger and to prepare room in our hearts for his glorious return. 
But I want to tell you that we have other reasons to rejoice this day. Church leaders have worked very hard on something on your behalf for several months. And we have some great news to share with you. We applied for a grant through the Great Plains Annual Conference, and we received that grant. Our new district superintendent, Reverend Stephanie Allsweed, was invited to join me here today. We were going to collaborate on this message about the sacred and secular ways that we rejoice in this season, as well as she was going to come and to help us to celebrate this great news. Unfortunately, Reverend Stephanie was feeling a little under the weather, and so she sent this message for me to share. Dear friends, I've always cherished the Advent season, a time of journey to a place that is familiar, and yet each year brings unexpected and welcome discoveries. I grew up in a congregation that sang their way through this season with great gusto, and we kids and teens were often called upon to add our voices, assorted instruments, and the best efforts with handbells to the music offerings. That thing always came together. That things always came together was itself an amazing surprise each year. Somehow the beauty of the combined ensemble was both expected but also anxiety-provoking for those of us with a grandmother sitting up front watching closely. <laughs> this year I celebrate with you as your congregation navigates a journey of growth. As one of the two superintendents on the committee awarding grants to congregations coming through a time of discernment around disaffiliation, I was able to enjoy listening to clergy and laity from across the conference reflect with hope on your proposal. It was so clear that your congregation has a vision of ministry and service, reaching out to both new members and reconnecting with ones who are returning, and a strong commitment to the United Methodist Church that we love. I look forward to journeying with you and the Holy Family towards Christmas, with the wise ones toward Epiphany, and celebrating always God's call and claim upon you as a people of faith. I am so sorry I am unable to be there with you today. Prudence dictates that I rest, so I'm healthy for our trip to see Todd's mother in Tennessee. I will come visit as soon as I am able. Grace, peace, and blessings upon you, Reverend Stephanie Allsweed. Missouri River District Superintendent. I have to say that, yes, amen. I'm sure Reverend Stephanie will be watching this, so thank you. As the lead pastor here, it is very important to me that Faith Westwood takes the next right faithful steps as you are in a turning point in your journey. Within the grant proposal, the following steps were presented. Number one, engaging in strategic planning with Reverend Bruce Emmert. He retired from Omaha St. Andrews United Methodist Church, and he is currently living in Topeka, Kansas. He does coaching and consulting for churches in his retirement. Bruce knows Omaha. He's acquainted with this church. He will be guiding our church leaders in ways to help to identify the mission field that God is calling us to reach. Number two, Establishing an additional revenue strain through the Scrip gift card program. We have already identified a team leader. We will be working on getting a Scrip committee planning so that we can be ready to launch this before the Lenten season begins, which, by the way, is mid-February. I want you to watch for the teasers coming soon and watch for more information. 
And three, investing in Love and Learn Daycare Center, providing what they most need to be successful. Their board members will be working alongside our strategic planning efforts so that they will be learning and moving forward as well. Faith Westwood, of course, our strategic planning efforts will identify additional opportunities for us. I look forward to 2024, and I invite you to look forward as well. My favorite phrase is, the best is yet to come, and I truly believe this for this church. This day, may we embrace the words of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah, May we embrace the comfort and joy that Jesus provides, and may we always rejoice along the way. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious and ever-loving God, like a warm flannel blanket, you wrap your arms around us. And God, we are so very grateful for that fact. God, we lift up today those who are healing after surgeries and medical procedures. We lift up all who will be participating in the Blue Christmas Prayer and Healing Service tomorrow evening. We lift up all who are making preparations for their Christmas gatherings this week. And God, we lift up our world, its leaders, and its people. And especially, we pray for those who are experiencing violence and war. God, send forth your hope, send forth your peace, send forth your joy, that we may know your love and grace in our lives. And God, all of this we pray in the name of the one who was born in a manger in Bethlehem and grew in wisdom and stature so that he could minister to all the world and teach his disciples a family prayer that they could say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.